0: You are listening to the Curiosity Podcast, a podcast aimed at equipping future changemakers with the skills that they need to thrive. We discuss business frameworks, exponential technologies, mental health, and living the life that you want to lead. We release an episode every second Thursday and can be found at curiositypodcast.ca. Hello, and welcome back to the Curiosity Podcast. Today, we are joined by Dylan Gambardella, who is the CEO and co-founder at NextGen HQ that creates a hub to cultivate the community, education, resources, and mentorship that entrepreneurs need to keep pushing forward. NextGen HQ has a monthly audience of over 500,000 people who seize opportunities to grow and learn together. And now Dylan has been named Forbes 30 under 30 in education and has been recognized globally for his work leading a venture-backed scaling startup. Dylan works with leading brands including Target and Capital One to help them stand out to reach the next generation. It is so amazing to have you and thank you uh, for joining us. If there's anything you want to add to that introduction that would be amazing then we'll get into the questions.
1: And Nyla and Christina, you both are incredible. Thank you for having me here. It's an honor to meet you and to get to join your audience. And I'm really excited for a fun session today.
2: Perfect. Thank you so much for being here. And our first question is about how you came up with the idea and inspiration um, for putting in time and energy into creating Next Gen HQ. And also, we kind of like looked into your backstory and we know you founded this when you were 18 years old. So there must have been, you know, some fear or like maybe doubt when creating um, Next Gen HQ. So can you talk to us a bit about the founding, you know, journey?
1: Totally. And uh, you both are are living it now, building a podcast, building a media brand, an audience. And anybody who's listening clearly has that entrepreneurial bug in them. Um, So my first thing that I'll say, and maybe we'll get back to this when we think about moving and, and taking action from this podcast is you'll never have everything figured out when you're getting started, right? So here I am, I just turned 26 last week. I got started at 18, really even a little, so more or less, let's say eight, nine years ago, we were getting started. Almost a decade, crazy, crazy to say that out loud. But alas, taking you back, when I was young, I solved the problem I was looking for myself, right? I wanted to meet other young people who were, as we like to say, going for it people who were passionate about pursuing an idea and i couldn't find a group that a lot of these folks were living in or a membership or a community and we said let's go build that ourselves right we're looking for this my partner justin and i we both wanted to meet other ambitious young people not necessarily all founders right we could find entrepreneurial thinkers who had career paths who were students who were creators or writing a book on the side, a million different ideas. We just wanted to meet them because I I knew, and I still know to this day that the more people in my life who challenge me, who motivate me to be my best, that's what helps Dylan be his best version of himself. Not comparing Dylan to anybody else because that's foolish and that only gets me into trouble, but I want to be my best for myself, for the people I care about. Right. And that was uh, honestly a solution to our own problem. And I think a lot of really cool business ideas start that way, because that's where the passion comes from, right? Going back to the first thing I said, it's never going to be easy. You're never going to have all the pieces and and answers figured out. But if you have the passion and you have the commitment and you have the curiosity to go out and figure out the answers, well, that's what keeps you in the game. And if you stay in the game long enough, all of a sudden you hit your goals, right? And, And who doesn't want to succeed? But the key to success is just simply getting in the game and staying in the game.
0: I think it's really great that you saw a problem and instead of just like, waiting for it to be made, you made it yourself. Um, And Next Gen HQ is now thriving after I'm sure it was like a really long journey but you know now you have a monthly audience of over 500,000 people. And so I was wondering like how you created such a large and also engaged community and when creating that community, were you like creating channels where like your customers could let you know what they wanted to see more of or next? Or did you track net or metrics to find out what the community liked most? Was it a combination of the two?
1: Fantastic questions. Um, I'll say this. My partner, Justin, loves to joke. He's not joking. He's pretty serious when he says it, but um, NextGen's cool now. <laughs> we weren't that cool back in the day when we were getting started. And in the early days before... And the media accolades, uh, before we had this thriving, robust community, a lot of our friends and those close to us didn't really understand what we were doing. And I share that not because our story is special or unique, but because I think that's pretty common for any young early stage entrepreneur. Everybody's a little curious, you know, they give you support, high five, Dylan, great job, you started a company. Okay, but are you going to get a job, right? Are you going <laughs> to go do something else? And a lot of this uncertainty can also influence your sense of self. And that's where it becomes a little dangerous, right? Because I don't want to start thinking about what other people are thinking of me. That's just a foolish cycle. Uh, so with NextGen HQ, when we were in the early days, we just wanted to focus on providing value because that's what it came down to, right? Especially building something that had network effects and, and community features in a membership field we wanted to make sure that our members felt value individually. So day one, when we had no team, it was Justin and myself, we created a Facebook group and this was 2014. Facebook was hot at the time. <laughs> Facebook is maybe less hot with our generation our, with the young people today. Uh, but we made this group and we committed to simply responding to every single person who was active, who was engaged, who was posting. So Nyla, you'd come in the group and, and you'd say, Hey, I'm starting a podcast. I'm looking for a uh, production associate, someone who can help me with the post-production. Anybody have any ideas? I would come in and I'd say, "Nyla, congratulations. I'm so proud of you taking this next step, starting a podcast. You got this. Keep going. First off, connect with Sarah, who just started a really awesome podcast. You have to meet Christina, who's a badass podcast host, she's my French. Right? Then then connect with Susan, who is the best editor in the world and is going to help you with your post-production. And by doing this, Nyla, by coming to you with value, helping you access the network, meet a few new people, that's how I could help you and also help myself because you're going to now connect other people, build the network, find more value, maybe invite friends. So we did the math before we made our first hire. For about two years, Justin and I were alone in the journey, maybe even more. We responded to 10,000 posts, each of us, each of us uniquely, 10,000 Facebook posts with something along those lines of, I see you, I appreciate you, I'm proud of you and take these action steps, right? Through that stage of adding value, doing things to quote a great entrepreneur, Paul Graham, things that did not scale, right? There's no way we could have scaled 10,000 posts to 1 million, we can't scale ourselves. That allowed us to learn what actually was valuable. And then we made our first hire, shout out to Haley Hoffman Smith, who is now an incredible entrepreneur in her own right, we could build operations around helping haley to serve the community right and then building a team from there and now we have 35 team members so there's obviously a million steps in between but it all started with what do young people who are chasing entrepreneurial passions want where can we actually serve them and okay it's going to be a lot of time it's not going to be easy but let's go do that and do it really well because we know it's worth it 10 people in that facebook group we got started probably it was my mom my sister Justin's mom, Justin's brother, us two, we were like 90% of them were our family. And now, as you said, we have half a million people that we're touching each month. That doesn't happen overnight. It's not an easy journey. It takes seven to eight years, uh, but it's worth it and a really rewarding one.
0: Yeah, I think that well, that's great. And I also think like the journey is something that you do experience ups and downs. And so who you choose to surround yourself with during that time is really important. And you co-founded this with Justin. So I was wondering if you could talk to us about like, how do you choose a co-founder? And like, how did you go about doing that? Because I think you have to like, make sure your values align and you have to like, know each other's commitments and all that. And so um, how did you go about doing that? And why did you know that was the right
1: decision? Mm, it's a great question. And, and something that I get asked a lot, especially from Uh, student entrepreneurs and young entrepreneurs who have let's say a good friend that he or she or they really enjoy working with and they think it could be a good partnership but they're not sure they don't want to ruin the friendship and i totally respect that and i would never want a business venture to get in the way of any personal value or relationship that i hold dear right Um, so my first piece of advice is make sure that you both want the same thing in this venture uh, I'll give you some examples to maybe bring that to life. Young entrepreneurs getting started, sometimes it's a, oh, it's fun. It's exploratory, but I'm still going to apply it to jobs and to you know, go down that path. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But if one co-founder is like, I'm all in, this is my thing. I'm taking my life savings, pouring them into this company. And the other co-founder is, is working actively and pursuing a career and also working on this project on the side. Well, I would say it's maybe a messy situation just waiting to unravel because in this case, those two people are not on the same page as to what they want out of this company, this venture. Nothing wrong with either of those paths. As long as the communication is there, it's totally cool. Something else I'll say is that do you want to be working next to this person when it's late at night, you're tired, you're frustrated, uh, You know your airplane flights got canceled, you're stuck at the airport. Is this the person that you want to be seated with? Forget about the what that you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're building the next clothing brand, the next Facebook. Do you want to sit next to this person? Is that somebody that the classic airport test you would see yourself thriving with when the going gets rough? And if the answer is, you know what? I think yes. And here are the experiences in my life that tell me so, right? Then go for it. Something I suggest to all young people who are getting started, who maybe have a partner that is a friend or or maybe an acquaintance that they want to work on? Can you find a project, like a, a finite project, one, two, three weeks, and commit to it and see how it goes working together? Maybe if you're building a company, can you find the month to build the MVP, right? Outline the, the wireframe, whatever is a finite goal, and go deep into the trenches together. Spend that you know late night, Friday, frustrated, eating pizza by the fire, whatever it is. And ask yourself, was this fun, right? Did we enjoy working together? Forget about if the product worked out. Again, like companies are hard, it's not easy. It's never gonna happen as quickly as you think. The people that you work with, that's the foundation. So today, Justin and I, we've been working together almost a decade. And the company, while the same core mission of helping the next generation succeed at work and life, that has not changed. The what has changed. The who we're doing it with has changed but he and I, we want the same thing. We're chasing the same goals. We disagree every day on different operational items, but it's okay because at the core foundation of what we're here to do, we are lockstep aligned.
2: That is so powerful. And like what I'm hearing is it comes down to, you know, communication between who you want to start, you know, the company or venture with and also compatibility between you two and like making sure you can get along. Another thing I really like is that you mentioned that you know, next gen HQ at the very beginning, from what I see, it was like a, a zero-sum game kind of mindset. So, like you wanted to help everyone in you know the community in the Facebook group at the start. And oftentimes, especially like when you're young, you don't really understand uh, that much about the environment. You think like if you win, uh, someone else has to lose, or like, or if someone else wins, like has an amazing podcast in that kind of case, then you can have an amazing podcast. They'll take away your listeners, but that's not the case. And you know, as you kind of found out early on. If you like help people, they'll help you in the end as well. So that's, it's so great that you did that. And we love love to talk about, you know, failure on this podcast and something that is written on the Momentum page um, on a website. It says that the journey wasn't always pretty but nothing worth doing comes easily. Pursuing your purpose is flat out hard. So that's like a powerful quote. And would you be able to share some, you know large challenges or obstacles you have personally faced when creating Next Gen HQ? And how do you make sure you learned and grew from that experience of potential failure?
1: Most certainly, Christina, I'll just double down quickly on what you said at the beginning, because I think it is so important and so impactful. And in today's world of social media and um, you know, technology is great. We could talk about the, the pros and cons and if we want later on. But um, one of the major cons is that it's so easy to compare yourself to others, right? And you see the polished versions on Instagram, TikTok, et cetera. Rest in peace, Facebook, uh, as we referenced earlier. Um, And you could fall into a trap of, wow, Christina, her podcast, Nyla, their podcast, it's blowing up. What about my podcast? I kind of hope their podcast stinks that way, you know, my podcast. And that's such a short-sighted mentality, but it's so easy to fall into that grip, right? It's the ego protection that comes out in all of us that says, oh, well, if their podcast is great, it hurts the odds of mine being great. And I could not disagree with that statement more vehemently, right? You have to have an abundance mindset. And I believe, especially with community and networks, that you helping somebody, whether you believe in karma or not, if you read Adam Grant's, right, uh, some of his books, he talks about the concept of giving versus taking. uh, Giving will always benefit you. Even the act of giving intrinsically in and of itself brings you the 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 dopamine hit the the positive feelings that can then help you go be great and that was what was so important to our early success We're, we're not here today without that abundance mindset without the idea that regardless of everybody in the community succeeding except for us that that's okay that's good because it's only a matter of time right we'll get our share if we put our head down and add value and do the work so i'm sorry for going on the tangent but i think it is so important and and really hard i want to just admit that one more time i'm Not at all at a point where I see someone succeed and 100% of the time I'm like, go that person. I'm way, I'd like to say I'm 100% and I try to really be on that team always, but we're human beings, right? As long as we're aware of it and working toward it, I think that's an awesome path forward. Uh, But to your question, not to completely ignore the wonderful question about failure, um, my high level view on failure, and again, something that has only really been possible through experience and through maturing and, and growth uh, and really failing a bunch of times Uh, failure is an evidence it's it's a data point and thus i embrace failure or at least i really try to Uh, it's super hard in the moment to have that but especially when it comes to reflection sometimes failure can be more pivotal more influential than success Uh, really either of them are simply an outcome and if you like every young person right took a science class at some point in time You learn about the whole idea of like a hypothesis and then a conclusion. And more often than not, sometimes your hypothesis is not what happens, right? And that doesn't mean your experiment failed. That actually means your experiment was a major success. You just had some, you know, off inputs, right? Some off uh, ideas leading in. And I think about life and especially business in the same way, whether it's with a relationship, right? Whether it's you building a company, making a strategic decision, you're going to do your best really try your hardest to put your best path forward. And sometimes it might not end up the way you thought it would, but great. You're gonna do it again because you didn't get knocked out of the game. So go do it again with that new information and really try your best. I think about for us at NextGen HQ, when we were faced with the start of the COVID pandemic in March, 2020, uh, we were a heavy in-person events company and we were hosting events at a full calendar for the rest of the year that all of a sudden in the span of like two weeks was canceled Uh, and it was a daunting, super scary moment. Uh, We had a team, we had about a dozen employees at that point and I had no clue what to do. So for me to put you in my shoes, here I am CEO, people looking up to me for the solutions. I got no clue. I didn't even know which way's up. We We can't see what one week in the future is gonna look like, let alone a year of business planning and strategy. But what I did know is we got to do something. Right. And we can't let the uncomfortable environment knock us out of the game. I want to put the power back into our control. So we are in the driver's seat of our own destiny. And we decided to make an evolution, uh, which I think other folks might use the pivot term uh, to really focus on providing the same value online via our momentum technology platform. March, 2020 till today, it, we're still building. Today's January 21st, we recording 2022. Um, in that span of almost two years, our company has really, in a tremendous way that I'm so proud of, evolved to be a, a tech first business, but still driving that value of succeeding at work and in life for the next generation. That was a daunting journey where we did two years, we kind of failed by a lot of business metrics. right? Our company went kaput in one way, but it had to go to zero to rebuild. Um, And so I say all this just to really drive home the idea that it's a learning. It's a long game we're playing. We're not trying to win today or this week or this month. I'm trying to win over my lifetime. And so sure, a short-term loss that stinks, that does not feel good at all, but it's an opportunity to get better for the long duration and thus it's worth it 10 out of 10 times.
0: I think the message of like, sticking to your core mission and values that you had initially come up with for your company is like what you should do, but also like maintaining, like being okay with failure um, and pivoting because you don't always have to stick to the exact same project plan. Like if something goes wrong like you are allowed to pivot as long as it's still like aligning with your values and your mission um that's completely okay and that's something I've been noticing a lot I've actually mentioned science and I've been doing a lot of work like in labs on a bioplastic I'm trying to make and it's just like a lot slower than I thought. And there's also so much failure and a lot of pivoting that's needed. And I know the product that I want is a bioplastic, but like there are a lot of different ways to get there. And so there's like a lot of pivoting um, and being okay with failure. And so shifting that mentality, I think is very important. And I love how you talked about that. so something else is that in the school and company plan of the NextGen HQ, you leverage data and learnings that others don't have to make the platform better. And so what kind of data analysis do you do to make the platform better for your students? And also, how has that developed over time?
1: I love what you said, Nyla, and I appreciate the authenticity. Um, it's such a long uh, process of iterating and looking at feedback and building it into the you know, future path forward and the next strategy. And I think the people who succeed are the ones who have the resiliency to keep going, right? It's not that, uh, in this case, you actually are smarter than probably the majority of other people who are working on things like this. But you know, for me, I'll say, I'm not that much smarter or more intelligent than other entrepreneurs. I'm just willing to outwork you. <laughs> I'm willing to put in the work. And I think that's a, a skill set that is underappreciated or at least under discussed or under celebrated maybe even. Um, We should be celebrating effort in a lot of ways. I'm not necessarily advocating for things like participation trophies. That's a different question in my opinion, but let's celebrate the fact that you put in the work regardless of the outcome. That's awesome. Uh, So with us, when it comes to data and learning, I look to our members first and foremost for every bit of product feedback. Uh, We have an incredible product team led by my big sister, Alexa, shout out to Alexa who joined about a year ago. Uh, quit her big fancy corporate job with her you know, shiny paycheck uh, to come join the startup world and, and lead our team. And that has been a blessing beyond belief uh, and a few other incredible product leaders, Marielle and Franzi from our team. Uh, and what they would tell you is that we want to build something that uh, first and foremost stays true to our values, as you said, right? It is core to our mission and what we're here to do, but also is something that is built for and by our community. So we are weekly hosting focus groups. We're getting members, next-geners on the platform to tell us what they're liking, what they're seeing, what are your ideas, right? What do you think? Um, Definitely going to be hitting you both up, Christina and Isla, to hear your thoughts about what you would want in a a professional development network for the next generation, because that's what it's about. We can ideate and we can innovate, but we can't do so completely in a a nutshell. So I want to look at how members are behaving. You mentioned data. Where are they spending their time? Right? What are they clicking on? What is the content that's most appealing to them? And then let me get in a room and one-on-one say, hey, you clicked on this a hundred times, why? What was it about this, this one piece, this one opportunity? And then if we all align, let me go find you know a thousand more things like that so you can find that continued value. So I think the, the takeaway for anybody who is building and has members or buyers or customers or whatever it is, users, um, ask them what they think, right? And it's not 100%. It's definitely not 100%. You are on an island as well. There's a medium, right? You and your team, you guys know because you live it. You all love the product you're building. But don't forget about the fact that people have to use it. Product, service, no matter what it is, we all exist in the marketplace at some point in time. And just be open to that feedback. And it's okay if people disagree with your ideas. Doesn't mean you have to listen always. Big um, anecdote, but really important one. I follow when it comes to advice, something I like to, to joke is the hand in the sand mentality. If you reach down and you grab a bunch of sand, when you bring it up, 99% of it fell through your fingers. And I think the same is true of advice. Go get all the advice in the world, but then only hold on to the few things that matter. Let the stuff that you know is not important fall through. And that's true with product feedback. That's true with career advice. That's true with life coaching, whatever it is. But I hope that's helpful if anybody out there is uh, getting in the getting in the data game and product feedback game.
2: For sure. And the you know, product feedback game, I think is so important for any company. And I really like that you said you use both qualitative and quantitative metrics kind of to define what's going well and like what to continue and double down on, because like qualitative metrics usually take more time to get if like talk to a person, but you know, they tell more of a story. And then also the quantitative metrics, like you know, how many times you click something, it's like more scalable to gather that data. Um, but doesn't always tell the whole story. So that's like really interesting and we love that insight. Um, another thing that we want to talk about is like the values of NextGen HQ. And I actually read through them and I resonated with a lot of them, such as, you know, making relationships number one, you know, taking complete ownership. I really love that one. Um, like I believe in like everything is your fault and that way like it's your ownership. And I love that motto. Um, and one of the values I was particularly interested in was making it about the long game. And especially for youth, it can be easy to look at, you know, where you are now, for example, and think it was like an overnight success, when really it was like a decade of work, you know. So uh, why do you think so many people are trapped in thinking about the short term uh, and get discouraged quickly when things don't succeed right out of the gate? And how can you get out of that kind of mindset of, you know, the short
1: game? Christina, thank you so much for uh, the the kind words with our values, and, and I appreciate that they resonate with you. That's how we really do everything over here, a, a one way, shape, or form. Now, I'd like to tell you that I have a, my momentum values clipboard and I walk around and say, okay, you know, sales team, we, uh, we live by the value. Okay, marketing team. Yeah. No, we're not you know, literally holding every decision to the values, but it's baked into truly our DNA. And so I think a successful team member at Next HQ lives and operates by those values. Whether they take them home at night to their personal lives or not, that's up to them, of course. That's not you know, my, my purview, my domain. But when we're here, when we're building, we have to do so from a value-first standpoint. Uh, and I think the long game, that, that last M really brings it all together. What I was saying earlier in that, I'm not trying to win today or this week or this month, maybe not even this year. I'm trying to win over my lifetime. could cannot be more true. It's really tough. Again, back to like human beings, our nature, our DNA. We have this discounting uh, inability to future forecast and plan for it, right? There's like all the science and psychological experiments that say, would you rather have $10 today or $20 in a month, right? Everybody's like, give me the 10 bucks. Um, I'm probably, I'm certainly misquoting that study. So, you know, don't don't hold me to it. You can Google it and find it, I'm sure. Uh, There's also a really great book that Simon Sinek put out called The Infinite Game, which is based on a book that had come out in the mid 20th century, I wanna say, uh, that talks about this concept of the infinite game. But the long game to me really means uh, what is the life you want to build, right? What is the legacy you want to leave? What's important to you at a foundational level? And are you willing to sacrifice short-term gain for long-term success? Are you going to take the cheap dollar today? Or are you going to take the harder, more difficult, more challenging task and path forward because it aligns with your values, because it's true to who you are? It's it's aligned with your morals. That's really a a challenge. Especially for young people, I'll speak for myself alone. I want success and I want it now. I want it so badly, right? I want all my dreams to come true, but I'm not going to let the integrity be compromised in order to get that overnight, right? Uh, and I think young people, we value authenticity. So we see it in brands, we see it in the companies that we're, we're buying from, we're working with. It's easy for us to put on our website as a value, it's harder to live every single day to wake up and you know, think long-term, but operate in the daily. And it's so important. Uh, and it's a lifetime of, of curating that, that habit, that routine, uh, and something that I don't think anybody should expect to feel very comfortable with on day one. I'm still settling in. But you mentioned it in, in the question. 10 years, more or less, we've been building. And here we are at a point where I still think it's day one. I still think we're just getting started. 10 years from now, I'm going to look back and be like, wow, what a, what a baby I was at 26. And I think that right now, right? And so if you can see that happening already, then odds are it's pretty likely going to happen again. And I think that's the long game in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, that reminds me of like monkey brain where you want instant gratification for everything that you do. And so if you go into an experiment, like you want it to work automatically, and if it doesn't, then you're kind of upset and you're like, how do I just make this work immediately? But I think Playing the longer game, it can be more difficult, but it, do, it is like more rewarding in the long, t- in the long term. Um, and so like compounding your skills and compounding what you do is going to be more valuable in the end. So I really love how you brought that up. Um, And one of my last questions is about your book, actually, because that's something else that you did. You wrote a book. And so you recently wrote Now That's Momentum, How the Next Generation Can Think Like Entrepreneurs to Succeed at Work and Life. So can you tell us a bit about this book um, and also what drove you to to write it?
1: I so appreciate that, Nyla. Thank you for for flagging that. Anybody who's listening who is a fan of Nyla's and Christina's, uh, we would love to get you the book. Feel free to reach out and we'll get you a copy on us because uh, your listeners deserve it. It sounds like exactly who we want to get this in the hands of, um, but the book and the journey associated was one ideally speaking to reach more of our next generation audience. And we know that not everybody loves, you know, whether it's a email or social media, some people like books, right? It's pretty cool to hold a book and to read some stories. Um, but what we try to do and what we do in the book is interview about 50 incredible leaders who are all applying entrepreneurial thinking In many unique ways, shapes, and forms. Uh, To give you a few examples, we have perhaps the tried-and-true entrepreneur, Mark Cuban. So we interview Mark and break down how he is thinking like an entrepreneur, what that means to him. But then we also talk to Carly Kloss, a world-class supermodel who is also building a two nonprofit at the same time. She's an absolute beast, rock star, and talk about how she is thinking entrepreneurially. And then we have an entrepreneur at companies from Google to Capital One. And then we have authors and politicians and musicians and TikTok stars. And the goal is to show that no matter what you want to do in life, you can take the power of thinking like an entrepreneur, the mindset, and apply it to reach your goals at work and in life. And that's so true, especially for our generation. We have all this information, we have tons of access and opportunity. And with that, hopefully, it should come a bit of career autonomy. But no matter where you go, I would argue, you will benefit by thinking entrepreneurially, by being in the driver's seat of your own car. And this book is just one of the ways that we want to help you and the next generation do exactly that. So reach out, drop me a note, and we'll get that book in your hands so you can uh, experience the momentum.
2: Thank you so much for offering that to our listeners. I know they're going to learn a lot from your book. And you know we really appreciate that. And our listeners do too. So thank you once again. Uh, And one of your superpowers that, you know, is evident from talking to you is public speaking. And you've spoken in front of, you know, tens and thousands of people on a global stage. Um, And sometimes people are scared of public speaking, you know, terrifies them or they're just like nervous about it in general. So what is your process like for preparing for an event or talk? And how do you make sure people leave feeling inspired and excited to apply what they learned to their own life?
1: I so appreciate that, Christina. I'm going to uh, say this out there to dispel any myths. First and foremost, I get nervous before a public talk, whether it's uh, a small 20-person audience at a high school or a TEDx stage with thousands of people in the audience. I'm nervous beforehand, and I get you know a little sweaty, a little jittery, and that's okay. That's cool. It's your body's natural response. It has nothing to do with your preparation, how well you're going to succeed. It, it might not even be correlated, right? it's just how your body reacts. so That's cool. If you're out there and you're like, every time I stand in front of an audience, my shirt has pit stains and my feet are jitter. That's okay. You're not alone. I'm with you. A few tips that I like to do is first and foremost, focus on visualization. So maybe the night before or the morning of, or even two minutes before I step on stage, I sit down. I, I also practice meditation. So maybe I'll meditate for a few minutes, but then I'll just think about and see myself succeeding. And what does it look like, right? I'm on stage. I'm going through my talk. Maybe I'm, I'm actually visualizing what I'm saying. And then I, I see the audience, how are they reacting? What are their reactions? What, what is the crowd's energy and environment? And I spend time really sitting with that and it goes well and it, it goes really well. Right. And what happens at the end? How do I feel? What are those emotions that are surfacing up and it's such a powerful exercise Because 10 out of 10 times, you're going to go make that happen now, right? And that's the power of actually spending the second to slow down and then speed up. So pre-talk, get in your groove, whatever it is for you. You got rituals, great. You got, you know, you drink out of the same mug on your speech day, awesome. You have the same soda, but whatever it is you got to do, go for it. It makes you comfortable. And then don't worry. Uh, You know, some people would take it to the extreme and say nothing matters. Uh, Maybe that could be a, a train of thought. But certainly uh, imagine the worst case and, and how bad it could be. And I could promise you it doesn't matter right? because you're going to care way more than anybody else will. So if I get on stage and I first word voice crack, second word, I drop the microphone, third word, I forget everything I'm going to say. OK, pretty embarrassing. Right. By 10 p.m. that day, everybody in the audience has forgot. Right? And that's OK. I'm going to be beating myself up in my mind. But end of the day, it does not matter because I'm my biggest critic. So it's a bit of comfort that I give myself to know that, hey, regardless how it goes, Dylan, I'm proud of you. You went out there, you did your best, you prepared, and the rest is out of our control, right? You brought it up earlier, Christina. I'm taking ownership of what I can control, which is the the work I put in, the effort I gave, but I can't control the audience's reaction. So I don't worry about it, or I really try not to worry about it. And then it gets fun, right? When you can get through these things, then you can actually enjoy the act of public speaking for simply the act itself. And again, I'm not one hundred percent there by no means. But I'm way closer to there than I was when I got on my first stage back in high school, middle school, or whatever it was. And uh, it's been a fun learning process since.
0: Thank you for sharing those tips and Uh, I think that was a really powerful answer, but honestly, I think all of your answers have been so powerful. And I've learned a lot from the podcast episode. So thank you so much for everything. But before we do close off, uh, we would love to get three action items from you for our listeners based on what we chatted about today.
1: Action item number one, all right? Pens and papers, ready, iPhone, notes app, whatever it is, action number one, go to nextgenhq.com and go fill out our Momentum membership signup form. I wanna get you all on there. We're gonna give scholarships away to your listeners to make sure that they can join our community and get on Momentum. Reach out to me if you have any questions about that, dylan at nextgenhq.com, D-Y-L-A-N at N-E-X-T-G-E-N-H-Q.com. We'll get you the book, we'll get you the membership. And also, if you're looking for an internship, let us know because we are hiring. We're hiring full-time interns, you name it, you go to our careers page, you can fill out the form there. That's number one, and it's the most important one. <laughs> just kidding, maybe. Number two, number two, just get started. No matter what you are doing in life, no matter what you're working on, whether it's a new habit you wanna cultivate, whether it's a new uh, you know, relationship you wanna go ask that, that you're out, you wanna start a company, does not matter, just get started. I promise you, there will never be a perfect time You'll never have all the answers. You'll never have the perfect team. You never have all the money. Just get started because that's how you win. Get in the game and you'll figure it out. I promise you. And number three, subscribe to this podcast. No, get it. Yes, subscribe to this podcast. Definitely subscribe to this podcast, but also relax R E L A X. Relax. You're doing great. You're doing amazing. So don't beat yourself up when it's a tough day or you have a tough conversation, or you don't get the grade you want, or your company doesn't hit the metric you want, relax. I'm proud of you. I see you working your butt off. You know it yourself, and you should feel really good about that. And it's a long journey. So think of everything you're doing as just that data point, that learning that you can then apply to be your best self tomorrow.
0: Thank you for those amazing action items. Those are great. Um, and thank you so much again for joining us. We really appreciate your time. And again, I learned so much. So thank you.
1: Thank you both for having me. You rock. This has been a pleasure. And shout out to all your listeners for being part of the family here.